Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It is Thursday, which means it is time for our weekly listener mail segment. And uh, we want to thank, as always, everybody who has written in. Everybody was taking the time not just to listen to this show, but to participate. You are, again, the most important part of what we do here. We're going to talk today about some things that were weighing on the minds of many of our fellow conspiracy realists, including whether or not you actually own a thing you buy, whether or not there's something amiss in the roads and interstates of Montana, And uh, perhaps we begin with one of our favorite things, a very classic textbook, stuff they don't want you to know moment. Someone saw something strange in the sky. 
Uh, now, Matt, this is uh, this is something that really stuck out to you, correct? Oh, it did. In that, I was listening to a ton of voicemails, and then this one hit my ears, and I went, "Yes, I we are playing this on the air specifically because of this person's name." Not really. It's a great story. Let's listen to it. Hey guys, um, my name is Fox from Southwest Ohio. Um, last night around nine forty. In the evening, I went downstairs to do my usual routinely checks to make sure the house was locked up and the lights are on and let the dogs out and get some water. As I was getting ready to go upstairs, I'm standing in front of the kitchen sink, and above that is a window that looks outside, out to my neighbor's house. And above that, there is a line of clouds with heat lightning, and I'm sitting there and watching it. Um, earlier in the day, it was like 107 degrees with the index. And I'm just sitting there watching the, you know, the beautiful light up of the sky. And I'm thinking to myself, man, wouldn't it be great to see a UFO? I said to myself, you know, thinking to myself in my mind, like projecting it, like, you know, give me a sign. And there was like a flash of lightning. And I said, wow, what a coincidence. And I said to myself, what if, I, you know, that happens again? I was like, come on, guys, really show me you're out there. And from above the cloud banks, there was a clearing, a clear sky. And I saw a white light with a little tiny red light. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, is this a star? Is this a plane? And I'm just stand, standing here in front of my window. Um, and, and it was there. And it was just slowly moving to the left, slowly moving to the right. It was like that for maybe about 15 to 30 seconds. Um, I did not look away. Uh, thinking to myself, could this be a plane or a satellite? It could not be a plane or a satellite because the way it was moving um, back and forth in the sky. And then all of a sudden it was gone. And I'm thinking to myself, like, wow. <laughs> like, I really saw something. Um, you know, I was by myself. My two dogs were in the kitchen, like, walking around. Um, my wife was upstairs with our son. Um, I'm thinking to myself, should I even tell her? Let's <laughs> freak her out. You know, we're in the kind of all that stuff. Um, so again, I went upstairs. I told my wife, she's like, are you joking? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm being dead serious. And I remember watching a documentary with the guy from the SETI project that was saying that looking up and, and like connecting with them up, up in the sky. And, and I thought maybe that's what I could have done. And it, and it happened. And I swear to you, like, this happened. Um, but, yeah, um, please use my stuff online or um, through a podcast. I really appreciate you guys. I've been listening for the last few years. Um, you guys rock. Um, thank you so much, and have a great one. All right, all right. Yeah, it's really, really cool story to me. And thank you so much, Fox, for calling in and sharing that story with us. We share that feeling, maybe, of when something happens that you're not really sure what it was and, and that apprehension you may have uh, for sharing it with anybody. Right. And we do appreciate that you shared it with us. Mm -hmm. Just first of all, I, one of my favorite things in the world, seriously, is heat lightning. When there are big clouds and a lot of light that's fairly constant, it's just kind of going off and going off way more frequently than uh, a standard thunderstorm or something. Um, it's just something to behold. And it doesn't feel as scary personally and selfishly, perhaps my dogs don't get as nervous and I can just enjoy it without all the barking and panting and drooling. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a lot I want to talk about 
with this encounter, you guys. But I just what are your first impressions upon hearing that story from Fox? Certainly has some hallmarks of things we've heard before. Yeah. Yeah. Fox, this is a great story. And this is one that I think a lot of people can relate to because heat lightning itself, while science has a has a pretty good handle on explaining it, and you can't say the same about ball lightning, uh, heat lightning is a fascinating, beautiful phenomenon. And what's interesting about this story, Matt, I, I think you saw me taking some notes here, is that there's, in Fox's description, there are a couple of things that really stood out. First, the movement of the UAP uh, that he saw, because Fox, you didn't say it was an object of any sort, right? You said, I saw these lights, I saw this pattern of their movement. And it sounds like this was a fairly regular pattern until it completely disappeared. One of my first questions was whether or not it could have seemed to disappear because it was occluded by other clouds. You know what I mean? Like something may have just gotten in front of what you were seeing. What do you think about that, Matt? Well, first of all, word of the day, occluded. Everyone, write it down. We have those on this show frequently. Well, like occluded, like occult, hidden. No, I know, I know. I'm just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nobody reads as much as you Ben. that's all that's all i'm saying yeah. and it's good everybody write it everybody write it down occluded is a cool word to use most Put- people probably read more than uh more than us you know <laughs> the, the, the three of us combined actually the uh biggest reader peek behind the curtain the biggest reader on our show is probably codenamed doc oh most certainly yeah most certainly i never uh i never learned to read y'all <laughs> Oh, hey, man, kinda, don't beat yourself up. That's what just, audiobooks are exactly. for. Exactly. I just do like text-to-speech and audiobooks, and it's gotten <laughs> me by just fine. Thank you very much. Excellent. Excellent. We're joking here, everyone. But um, that's a great question, Ben, like whether or not the clouds itself were the thing that caused it to seem to disappear, right? The other big question is when it disappeared, What? Yeah, was there movement at all associated with the lights themselves as it disappeared, right? Was there an upward movement, a downward movement that seemed to go away or just covered up? Uh, That's a great question. Something I want to posit to you guys, white and red lights in combination, to me, I associate that with aircraft Mm -hmm. because that is very common to to have some flashing lights, generally red and white, sometimes a few other colors. To me, that feels like man-made craft, but I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, that certainly feels like a safety mechanism that you would see with like a, you know, low flying plane at night that's about to land. It's uh, literally a visual that their traffic control can use to make sure they have a, you know, a good visual. So that certainly does appear to be something in that neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like Fox would have noted uh, if there were an airport nearby. Right. And and it's true. Commercial airplanes at least from what I understand, have these red lights on the top and the bottom of the aircraft kind of to give you a sense of where it is in three-dimensional space. The question would be whether or not those were flashing, Mm -hmm. I think. Someone correct me. We've got a lot of aviators in the audience. Uh, Are the red beacons always on or is it a taxiing thing or do mm. they have you know like are they on when you're in flight or are they strobing when you're landing those are good questions to ask and 
And, you know, to be very clear, what we're doing right now, Fox, is sort of the three of us are turning around in our heads the mystery. And we we always start with like the facts, what's the mundane stuff, uh, and what are what are the possibilities? Uh, we are also, by the way, we are recording in expectation of yeah. a uh, of a storm on the way here. So we might have some lightning make an appearance on the show. Hopefully yeah. the power stays on. <laughs> now, at, since it's been out, it, we've had spotty power for several days here. And just so everyone knows, it's August 31st. Uh, hurricane, then tropical storm now, storm Ida is rolling over top of us as we speak, or at least portions of the arms are kind of wrapping around Atlanta right now, mm-hmm. which is a whole other topic we need to at some point address the yes the thing and devastation that was Ida. But for now, let's stay here with Fox. Uh, another possible mundane explanation for this Fox, and, and again, not to deflate your story, we're doing the same thing Ben just talked about. Uh, I was thinking a weather balloon. Now, you got to kind of hear me out for this. Oh, I think I, I see where you're going. This is awesome. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's not often that a weather service would launch a weather balloon when lightning, at least in the moment, if lightning is known to be occurring. It's just not smart to launch your kind of, you know, fairly expensive equipment when there's a ton of lightning that could cause damage to it. But, and it's also not very smart for the people on the ground launching a weather balloon uh, when there's a lot of lightning. But the movement slowly, perhaps to the left, slowly then to the right, but staying generally, appear or appearing to stay in generally the same, I don't know, general area, but moving to the left and to the right, that feels like air currents moving something. And if it's a heat lightning storm, it just depends on how quickly that is moving through the area. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not a weather expert, but this is just a, you know, a possibility given that there could be lights associated with that craft or with that piece of equipment as well as some movement. Yeah. And this is these kinds of investigations are are crucial, right? They're they're incredibly important. None of what we've said, whether weather balloon or commercial. Uh, aircraft, none of that is a definitive answer. No. Because I, I think the first thing we need to do is figure out whether Fox has some local airports, you know? Yeah, you're I mean? right. You're right. Because you could, if it was a plane or something that was on its way into an airport, it could maybe look as though it's going left and right slowly if it's far enough away and approaching. Was it a foggy night or like was uh, was there any, you know... um Kind of something that could have caused distortion of light, perhaps. Uh, Fox, what what do you think? Oh, cool. There he is. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I don't know. Well, I'm no, going... I, I just I think I think that's pertinent. You know, I mean, like a lot of times, if it's we, we've talked about this in the past, if it's like a particularly foggy evening, um, that can filter light in a way that mm. creates the illusion of movement or creates the illusion of larger movement, or you know, it just kind of exaggerates things a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, and it can make farther away things seem closer. You know, or totally. Totally. We we discussed that before on ground level when there's visual distortions from lights that are far away, right? Correct. Especially when there's fog involved. Yeah, I don't know any about that anything about that stuff. We can't prove what it was from here at, at our desks, but I do want to talk about this concept that you brought up, Fox, of thinking about wanting to see mm. a UFO or a UAP or what some lights, and then it happened, right? 
that to me kind of calls back to the conversation you guys had with Roderick Martin not long ago. I, I wasn't on that episode, but I got to listen to it. And, you know, outside of all the incredible movies that Roderick brought up, he had some really interesting stuff to say about that kind of thing, that like manifestation of an experience. I happened to catch one of Roderick's shows on Clubhouse before listening to y'all's conversation. And the crux of that episode was all about manifesting or meditating and entering a state of like dream almost, but while waking to kind of welcome, I guess, the experience or in some way communicate. And that was very fascinating to me to hear a lot of maybe people who I would, who would say are much more on the believer side than someone who's extremely skeptical. Right. And I'm of two minds about it in one way. I can totally see that if there's maybe something more to this consciousness thing that we can currently prove, maybe there is a thread of connection to something that if it does exist, perhaps there's a thread there, right? The other part of me thinks, well, perhaps it's just you now very much want to see something and anything you see is going to be connected to that desire to see something. And you go through a bit of that dissonance. I don't know. After you guys talked with Roderick, thinking about this, like, do you have any specific insight? Well, one person's manifestation is another person's confirmation bias, isn't it? Hmm. The question here, if we wanted to be, again, very grounded and mundane about this, would be Fox, the next time a storm comes through your neck of the global woods, are you going to make the mental space? to try to stand in the same spot, try to get all the variables uh, at the same level, and then ask the universe or the big what if, whatever you want to call it, to show you something else. Yeah, and uh, this, is, this is similar to the account we had about lost time on the interstate. You guys remember that story where I someone do. made an impossible uh, supernatural level shortcut and uh, we asked this person if they could take the time to do the drive again and see whether they could reproduce the effects. So that and would wasn't uh, it marked by like a like a skip in like the song on the radio in their mind or something like that, or it, there was mm-hmm. something that marked time for them in that story that was interesting. Mm-hmm. I believe that's correct. Yeah. So so with this with this in mind, uh, another another thing to do would be to check with friends, neighbors in the community. If you really want to go deep, as we say, you can always contact, you know, the FAA if it's worth your time and say, hey, what was flying over this specific date, right? Um, They do keep track of those things. So I I think it would be incredibly interesting. And I, I, I agree with you, Matt. I think the most compelling part of the story is not necessarily what was out there or what what you saw, Fox, I think it's what happened right before that moment where you said, send me a sign, uh, hashtag uh, Ace of Base. I saw the sign. That, <laughs> yes, yes. That was them, right? It mm-hmm. opened up my eyes. <laughs> and I'm happy now. And now I want another baby. <laughs> uh, wait. I'm mixing two songs together. Let's okay, yep, it's yep. two Ace of Base songs, but they're <laughs> they're eerily similar. They both have like kind of a reggae kind of bop to them, you know. <laughs> oh man! All right, I've got to go to the roller rink now because uh, can't hear that song without it. Um, yeah, this that's great. 
That's really great, you guys. I want to put this out to Fox because I think you're right on the money there, Ben. We got to reproduce this. Is his last name Mulder? I yeah, obviously. Cool, cool. We cool, definitely cool, cool. the Mulders were having a great day. <laughs> I want to believe his last name is Mulder. Yes. No, as do snap. I. All right, so um, this is this is what you have to do, Fox, and everybody else listening that wants these kinds of experiences. Take out a small loan, buy an SLR camera. Go pick yourself up a Canon 400 to 600 uh, millimeter uh, lens. Plop that lens on your camera. You might have to get a a ring that's the adapter. Um, Set it up in whatever window you're going to be looking for UFOs and manifesting UFOs. And just prepare to take as many photographs and or videos as you possibly can. Cool? And then send them our way. We'll do this together. Remember, it is going to require a small loan. It will affect your credit score. (laughs) Please, please don't actually spend a ton of money on that. Uh, But that's really, think about it. That's the only way we can actually start getting enough verifiable proof or at least uh, proof that can be investigated to an extent that we would need to to be able to prove something was anomalous. Uh, Because there are people seeing things in the sky all the time. It's just... Nobody's got three grand to drop on a lens. Or it's always the wrong people. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Heartbreaking. We should form an alliance between MUFON and all of the uh, sports photographers for high schools. Right? <laughs> because they've all got those lenses. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's join, form a union. It'll be a super group and we'll all just sh- shoot pictures of the sky. Okay. I think that's a great idea, Matt. Uh, and since you came up with such a great idea, I vote that you are in charge of it. Can you get that uh, buttoned up real quick? <laughs> no problem. No right. problem. No, but seriously. Yeah. Do you want to take like a commercial break and, and and just handle that? Yeah, yeah, no problem. I'll do that in the next, uh, I guess it's around three minutes now. And uh, we'll be right back. Thanks again, Fox, for sharing your story with us. We hope you see something again soon if that's what you want. Otherwise, just hope your dogs are great and your family is too. Here's some ads. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we have returned. Matt, how'd it go? Well, we're all set up. We've got our um we've yeah. got our nonprofit status or not for profit status. Excuse oh, me. nice, nice. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna be working directly with Space Force. And Roderick Martin has already volunteered. He's going to be like our official leader. I'm just going to be the guy behind the scenes, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Uh, Awesome. So we're off to a rollicking start there. Please send, seriously, folks, please send us your reports of strange things you have seen in the sky or strange things that you have seen in the empty, lonely areas of your, uh, your local region. Because there are many, many empty places. And that's something a lot of folks, I think, don't understand about the United States or, you know, the whole of North America, Mexico and Canada included. There are many, many, many empty places. And there are places where you could, if you were on foot, walk for days or weeks and never see another living human being. This is something we forget when the majority of the human population lives in cities. And this brings us to our next piece of correspondence, our fellow conspiracy realist, Panda Joe. Panda, here's what you said. Great show, guys. I've run into something strange, and my Google searches are coming up wanting. My parents broke down recently on I-80, that's Interstate 80, between Battle Mountain, Nevada, and Wenamuka, Nevada, Excuse my pronunciation here. Uh, Some people, I'm told, pronounce it Nevada. Anyway, between Battle Mountain and Winnemucca, while driving a trailer to pick up a car they were buying, the seller offered to come 33 miles to pick them up rather than let them wait for a tow truck. After he got there, listen to this part, guys. After he got there, he told them he didn't want to scare them, but there have been a number of disappearances on that stretch of highway 
where the bodies have never been found. This is why he came out to pick them up. They were at exit 212, and I could find two disappearances on exit 205. I wondered if people were breaking down and trying to walk out, but apparently the cars still worked. The cars, uh, this is our part, the cars that were found when these people disappeared. It's well known to the locals, says Panda Joe, and they suspect a serial killer has picked up activity in the last several months. It also figures into the Nevada Triangle phenomena and clusters of disappearances talked about in a couple of books by a former officer, David Politis, author of Missing 411. The YouTube video on the triangle is titled I-Team, Nevada Triangle's Unexplained Disappearances. I'm a former prison guard turned truck driver, and I've had several conversations with actual serial killers. It's fun to tell them you've never heard of them before, by the way. So I know it's not out of the realm of possibility for a serial killer to use a stretch of road as his, I'm going to point this out, or her or their hunting ground. Thought you might be interested. Keep up the good work. They call me Panda Joe. What do you guys think? Well, uh, first of all, I think that's probably my favorite nickname uh, of the last little while. We've had some good ones, but Panda Joe. Um, big, big fan of you already. A good nickname gives you gives you questions mm-hmm. immediately. Gravitas. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would just say this is a pretty horrifying way to learn that there's a possibly a serial killer in your midst, right? In your immediate vicinity, knowing, you know, I guess being in his parents' situation or hearing about it secondhand from his parents that they were in that situation. And as we've talked about recently, the Atlanta, supposed Atlanta serial killer, we know maybe what it feels like to have the specter of a killer sure. around. Yeah. And I would say that's a that's a pretty astute comparison because people were and are rightly terrified and frightened. And if they feel the news and the local law enforcement are not giving them answers, then People recognize patterns to the point that the brain generates a pattern and then tells you it just recognized it and didn't create it. This is something that I think should be a future episode because as far as I can tell, the disappearances that I found looking into this panda, they have yet to be explained. And the deeper you go, the weirder this gets. So first we should establish what Interstate 80 is, because a lot of people have not driven on it. It's a east-west interstate, and it starts in San Francisco, and it ends in New Jersey. So, like, in the New York metro area, uh, it's old, right? It's like the rest of the interstate system. It comes around from um, the 50s, post-World War II, uh, gets the the final stretch is opened in in the eighties, and it is the second longest interstate in the country. I mean, think about it. You can literally drive coast to coast. It'll take you a while, but you'll get there <laughs> as long as you don't stop in the at the wrong stretch. And I I wrote back to Panda, and you guys saw this where I was essentially a little bit haunted. Because we have looked at operations of suspected serial killers on roadways in Canada and the U.S., particularly a stretch of road in Texas. We're not the only people looking into this. The FBI is actively tracking 
this with some of the same suspicions. So the bad news is that this is not implausible. The bad news is that this is not impossible. It is very much possible that there could be a serial murderer or murderers active in this uh, in this area, or at least that it might be part of their territory, their range, their circuit. But we also have to remember that serial killers, despite what fiction would have us believe, are extraordinarily rare. It, it's not your everyday person. And there are a lot of people who potentially could have become serial murderers, but they're apprehended, right, for another petty crime or for uh, they, they get caught their first time out or something like this. I think the scariest thing and the spookiest thing for a lot of people now is the idea that there are these unexplained disappearances and there are cars that just appear to be abandoned as if the person parked them and just walked away forever. Am I misreading that? Was that spooky to you guys as well? Definitely. That's insanely spooky. I was just briefly reading because of this email about, I think his name's Pat or Patrick Carnes. Uh, he's an older gentleman who was with his dog. That It was exactly how you described it, Ben. The vehicle was found, but he and his dog were not. Almost as though they went out to, maybe he let the dog out to go to the bathroom or something, and then they just disappeared. It also makes me think about the show both of you guys have been a part of, Happy Face. And um, I think the first season deals with a killer that was a truck driver, right? That was right. Yeah, operating long haul, on a highway? Long, long haul truck driver. Um pretty good cover you know moving around a lot able to prey on people that are maybe you know in need um hitchhikers and uh transients folks that are you know moving from place to place and that maybe don't have family um and that's exactly what this person did keith jesperson yeah when this ben this one feels more like it's just commuters or, or you know someone on a a trip essentially a long haul trip yeah, the two most common names you'll hear, and the ones I think that you're referencing here, Panda, are, as Matt said, Patrick Carnes, and then another person, Judith Casita. And this is a very rural part of Nevada, or Nevada, potato, potato. Uh, the, the question is whether these are connected. In our earlier episode on the ghost town of Port Lock, Alaska, or Port Chatham, we talked in hopefully very helpful, realistic terms about how just uh, just how dangerous wilderness is if you are not accustomed to it. You don't, I mean, yes, be aware of coyote, be aware of moose, be aware of mountain lions, but also be very aware of your ankles because a broken one in the middle of nowhere is more likely and uh, is more likely to kill you and it's more dangerous. In, in terms of plausibility. So the question here is, did these people, you know, for some reason, pull a pseudo side and fake their deaths? Probably not, at least in the case of Patrick Carney's, because he was well into his 80s, from what I understand. And did they get kidnapped? Right? Did they, uh, were they abducted? Uh, did they wander off and then have some accident? away from the infrastructure of modern civilization. These are all possibilities. And we can't really do the story or the investigation justice in the, a listener mail segment 
But the the strangest thing about it, I went into some forums uh, where people who kind of travel off the grid talk to each other. And I was surprised to find that in this very same rough ballpark area of Nevada, there had been reports of people hitchhiking and saying that they were threatened by folks who tried to pick them up, like they got a super bad vibe, or that they picked up a hitchhiker and that they themselves had a very off-putting vibe, which is why I highly recommend a book called The Gift of Fear uh, by a guy named Gavin DeBecker. It's the full title is The Gift of Fear, Survival Signals That Protect Us from Violence. If you have ever had a, we've all had it, right? You meet somebody and you can't explain why, but they've got a bad vibe about them. Have you ever sure. encountered that? Absolutely. It's usually an accurate uh, perception. Mm. You know? People say they have that with me all the time. No, they Weird. don't, Matt. They do not say that. That's crazy talk. Well, if they say that, they can't hang out with us. <laughs> it's okay. You emanate good vibes. Great. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this thing that's tough to quantify, right? If you feel uncomfortable in the situation, you're not sure why, right? And you meet someone and there's just something about them that's like nails on a chalkboard or there's something about your interaction or something you seem to subconsciously sense that is screaming to your conscious mind, GTFO. If that happens, pay attention to it. If you're, if you're wrong, what does that mean? It means you left the situation earlier than you would have. But if you're correct and you ignore that vibe, then um, you're possibly running a risk. So what we're saying about this is that right now it's very difficult to get our heads around the entirety of what you're describing. Yes, Panda, a lot of people disappear. Uh, We had David on our show a number of years ago, and looking into his citations and looking into his research, he's not exaggerating how many people have seemed to disappear. But he's uh, the one thing he was very careful not to do, if I recall correctly, was he did not want to attribute a specific cause. No, I mean, that was sort of his whole thing. That was mm-hmm. something that was very important to him. Mm-hmm. It was definitely not Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, also, the uh, this is where we learned that the federal government doesn't keep a cohesive or comprehensive database of just how many individuals disappear on government land, which seems like something. I don't know if anybody else has ever paid taxes. Call me a rube. But it, it feels like that that's something that tax dollars should go toward. Right. Am I am I crazy here? Like, should yeah, we, that's pretty crazy, Ben. <laughs> should we not keep track of people who are just disappearing in the forest? But there's so many. How could we possibly? Uh, <laughs> communing with nature forever. I can't even I can't even get away with like a late library book. And these people are out here disappearing. Uh, this is not to make light of this, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is it is a, uh, a very strange discrepancy that a government obsessed with surveillance seems to be unable to surveil, you know, some pretty prominent cases. So with this, we're going to pause because we are going to dive into this in a future episode. 
And we're going to look at the logistics, the timelines, the possibilities, be they mundane or be they extremely disturbing. And to do that, we will need your help. So if you are a local of Nevada, if you have experience, whether as a, you know, a, a long haul trucker or something like that on Interstate 80, write to us, call us, let us know, conspiracy at iheartradio.com, 1-833-STD-WYTK. We want to hear what you think about the idea of a serial murderer or murderers operating on Interstate 80. Uh, we'll pause for a word from our sponsor, and then we will hopefully move on to something a little less dark. I don't know. You never do. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. 
Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we're back with the aforementioned promise of something a little less dark. Uh, in fact, we might even get a little zen with this one, guys. What do you think? Let's do it. Uh, Please? Yeah. Um, so a listener wrote in to us uh, who asked to go by Dallas Girl. And Dallas Girl was interested in the uh, last Strange News episode that we did called OnlyFans, A Hiking Murder Mystery, and The Real Reason Fast Food Ice Cream Machines Are a Pain. Um, and this is what Dallas Girl had to say. Uh, I learned about right to repair as a concept and a movement within the past few months from a YouTuber and repair business owner named Lewis Rossman. His information can be found on his YouTube channel called Lewis Rossman. Uh, I thought perhaps you could have him on as a guest or give him a shout out uh, to his YouTube channel in an episode to bring more awareness to right to repair. I reached out to Lewis as well to let him know about this episode. So hopefully you will hear from him yourself. Cool. It would be awesome to hear my email on air. If you do uh, read an episode, please attribute it to Dallas Girl, which I have done. Thanks, Dallas Girl. Rossman! Yeah. Matt, it is my understanding that you are familiar with uh, Lewis Rossman. Is that right? I am, as are millions of other people, I assume, at this point. Well, I don't care about them. I just want to know uh, what you think. I do. And Doc, don't cut out the part where I yelled Rossman. That's a literal shout out. <laughs> is that a thing? Oh, that's the shout out. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Last time, I don't think you were here for this. No, uh, for some reason or another, when we had finished an episode where we mentioned right to repair before Ben and I just happened to be the last two people to click out of the zoom. And I mentioned, Oh, but there's this guy on YouTube, Lewis Rossman. And we were, we discussed it for a while and it's, we only know about it, Noel, because you know, we were on in the YouTube game for a long time. Sure. And, uh, Lewis has been doing this for a long time. Yes. You should see you should see his original videos, like the first ones that he was doing when the company was called something different. And uh, he was just starting to get comfortable on camera. At this point, he's like a freaking YouTube star and he fights for this kind of stuff, not only because he has a business associated with it. You know, they they make money repairing stuff, a lot of electronic equipment, he and everybody that works with him and for him. But he really gives off this sense that it's a right that humans have to to do this stuff when we're purchasing any kind of equipment from a big company. And it's always kind of been that way, but then stuff changed all of a sudden because the companies have money. Yeah, I, I need to dig into this guy. He's got 1.61 million subs on his uh, page, uh, which is just Lewis Rossman. Um, the Rossman Repair Group is the name of his uh, his company, I guess. And yeah, it very much seemed like there's even like video of him testifying uh, in Washington, you know, in front of a panel um, on the issue of right to repair. I believe this was Senate Bill 5799 that was voted on a year ago. And I do not believe that they passed that. But what did pass, which is more of a, 
you know, setting the tone of this conversation, the Federal Trade Commission recently passed um, their own kind of mandate uh, that they want to enforce laws around right to repair, which in the mind of the, the commission would allow U.S. consumers to be able to repair their own electrical devices and automotive devices without fear of retribution or warranty voiding, right, from, you know, the, the manufacturers. Um it's something that's been being discussed for quite some time. Uh, it was a completely unanimous vote, which is interesting. And the FTC actually released a report back in May that um, condemned manufacturers that were trying to restrict consumers' ability to repair uh, their own devices. Um, and let's see, this was led by the new FTC chair, uh, who is a critic of big tech, someone named Lena Khan. Um, and it also comes 12 days after President Biden signed a sweeping executive order meant to promote uh, competition in the U.S. economy. Um, I'm getting a lot of this info from a Wired article uh, by Lauren Goge um, from back in July uh, of this year. Uh, the FTC votes unanimously to enforce right to repair. Um, the move follows an executive order issued last week by the White House urging the agency to secure consumers' rights to fix their own gadgets. So here's the thing. I think we can all agree that this is something that definitely hits a nerve with many people who don't like to feel like they're beholden to the manufacturer of this device that they have purchased. Um, it's this sense that, oh, well, now I've basically bought myself a burden that I now have to be kind of like under the thumb of this uh, company for the rest of the life of this product. I mean, I think the biggest offenders are, are folks like Apple, where because of software updates, you know, over time, and usually not that much time, it can like kind of cause your computer, your laptop or whatever to get slower and slower and slower. Ben, I believe you have a 2014 MacBook that is really starting to give you trouble, which just doesn't seem like that's that long ago to me. It seems like a 2014 device that you've spent $1,000 plus on should have more life than that. No, I have, no, I have a 2008 MacBook. Oh, uh, I've, okay, I've sure. extensively... I've extensively repaired and replaced aspects of it uh, because, and the reason I had a 2008 and kept it is because it's easier to repair than some of those later models. Mm. The battery, you can replace the battery, you can replace the hard drive, you can do some basic things. I, I just want to say, I know I'm, I'm, some folks might call me extremist in this position, but Noel, Matt, everyone listening, if you do not have the right to repair a thing that you buy, you do not own it. And, and just to cut past all the noise that gets, that gets, you know, volleyed back and forth on this, if you do not have the right to repair a thing you buy, just to emphasize this, underline it, italicize, whatever, then you are, how are you not renting it? I know. I agree. My question to you, Ben, is what does that right look like? What What is the um, consequence of, you know, currently? Like, is it – it's not illegal to repair your own device. It just voids the warranty, which just means that the company will no longer repair it for you if you screw up. Is that right or am I uh, misreading that? No, no, you're you're spot on. You're spot on, Noel. So it changes uh, in industry. One of the potentially most powerful camps for uh, a substantive right to repair law would be 
farmers, like we mentioned in previous episodes or previous strange news segments, because some of these folks get locked into service agreements, uh, you know, like avoids the warranty. If you try to fix the thing you own yourself uh, and in the other camp, of course, would be like you just mentioned, uh, iPhones, uh, electronics purveyors, because like I've read arguments against it that would say something like, well, does this mean that a company can't, for example, let's say Matt has a smartphone company. Matt, what's the name of your smartphone company? Extra points if you put your name in the name. Matt Cell. Matt Cell. Sorry, Matt there was, a, there was a weird delay and reverb <laughs> thing going on here. I'm not sure what Zoom was doing. That was perfect. Okay, so it's Matt Cell with four M's at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so like, Noel, buy, Noel, you buy a Matt Cell and then you say, well, this is BS because I bought this. My OS is updated a couple times, and I know that all I need to do, instead of spending another, you know, seven hundred dollars on on the newest Matt cell, all I need to do is like replace a battery, replace a couple things, and then Matt cell says, "Hell no!" <laughs> right? <laughs> Matt cell says, "Heck no! You can't do it because." Uh, you cannot make these repairs yourself. And then you say, but it would have been so easy for you to just make make it so that I could. You guys are bilking me out of hundreds of dollars, but then they could come back and say, well, we didn't use screws. We used this industrial glue because it makes the the actual phone better. I mean, that's the thing, though. The miniaturization of technology has been yes. a big force in all of this, right? Because, like, you're trying to pack more features and more crap into smaller and smaller packages because that's sort of the way you show that you're moving the technology forward. Is just that for whatever reason, that's our indicator is a thinner and smaller profile. And then you've got the, you know, then there's like the weird flexes are like, no, we, we're going with big phones now. Um, but it's all <laughs> kind of like goes with the wind, like fashion to a degree. But largely, it is about making things smaller and faster. So no, I no, 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 I have to stop you there. Okay. Here at Matt Cell, right. uh-huh. we are concerned about your safety. You see, if you open up one of our Matt Cell 5.0s, you're going to and you attempt to replace any of the highly sophisticated electronics within one of our pieces of IP. It's dangerous. It's very dangerous for you. You, you know, the phone could do any number of things. Uh, and we wouldn't be able to control that because it wasn't us officially, you know, making those changes because we're authorized. Obviously, we sell the parts, we manufacture the parts. Uh, it would just be so dangerous for you that we can't allow it. And it's Matt, for your protection. Beautiful Matt's, liability. All it, right. Well, 100%. Are you referring to things like thermal runaway? Uh, A.K.A. batteries that, that burst into flames and, you know, scald your face off? Now we no Matt Cell product has ever scalded anyone to our knowledge. This interview is over. <laughs> no further questions. But but here's <laughs> the thing. Here's the thing, Matt Cell. I'm referring to you because you know corporations are people. So this is the it's one like of the rare. Steve Apple. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's one of the rare opportunities I get to communicate with the corporation of Matt Cell uh, directly. Um, isn't it also possible? Now this is me being devil's advocate here. That something could be sufficiently high tech enough, or that you that you repairing it uh, not only is inefficient, but could compromise the IP of that company. 
Like, like, like if something or could cause some sort of data breach that could affect others, you know, that, that would almost be tantamount to hacking it. Isn't that an argument that you, Matt Sell, might make? Man, I would love to have this conversation with you, honestly. Unfortunately, our, our attorneys just, they, they keep telling me I can't speak on this publicly. So Okay, that's fair. Sorry. I respect that. Ben, since you're not an extension of, of Matt Cell Corporate, uh, what do you think about that argument? Is there sand to it? The idea that maybe something, let's say a Tesla, for example, that does have a battery that, you know, holds a lot of juice. And that if you went poking around in there and didn't know what you were doing, you could blow your face off. Um, is there an argument to be made that you should, for your own safety, be uh, be required to take it into an official Tesla repair center. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, it does have sand. It has convenient sand, but it is sand nonetheless. Like you could say, you could say, for instance, um, take the idea of any mechanism using Freon, right? You need to be trained to handle Freon. Uh, and uh, this is not confirmation nor denial of the rumors that any Matt Cell product contains <laughs> Freon. But this is <laughs> this is instead like this is a this is a very good point. You ask a very good question. The right to repair does not necessitate the requirement to be qualified to make those repairs. People brick their stuff. That's all what I'm the saying. Yeah. The right to repair does not equal the right to succeed. At repairing, you could absolutely make a a huge, huge mess out of things and then go crying back to the manufacturer. And and then they're like, well, now you've screwed it up so much. We can't even help you. Um, Hmm. Are they just kind of protecting themselves from those situations? Because, you know, can you imagine the shipping and receiving involved and like all of the warranty honoring centers to like get things repaired? I mean, it's a logistical, you know, uh, nightmare. And and to to limit the number of like, you know, apps actually brick things because people have gone in there and screwed around and now they no longer can really, you know, reasonably repair it. Even just the ability for them to notice that and say, oh, well, this is totally screwed up beyond any any possible uh, repair on our end. We're just going to have to send it back. That in and of itself uh, is is a, uh, a cost. There's a cost yeah. associated with that. So if by voiding the warranty, you are no longer feel compelled or, or um, you know, uh, in a situation where you feel like you are uh, entitled to send it back, aren't they just limiting their exposure to people screwing up their stuff and then sending it to them and then them realizing, oh, my God, this is totally screwed? More importantly, yeah, like I was saying earlier, liability. More mm-hmm. importantly, the argument is that a company would not be liable for somebody like just recently i don't know how many people know this but just recently leaded gas leaded gasoline finally went bye-bye uh and now the only way to keep um to keep vehicles that need leaded gas in business and working is to buy lead additive right for fuel but what if, like, should a company be liable for exposure to lead, which we know does tremendously damaging things to kids, to any human being, really? Uh, the liability argument is solid. But again, you know, maybe it's maybe it's me being anti-authoritarian. Um, I, I think it's something that it feels like a very easy thing to agree to. If you buy something, you should own it unless it's openly advertised as a rental or a thing you just sort of have. Like it hit a um an apex, an inflection point. What's what's the word? 
podcast have been using recently? A Delta when when, the, uh, when electronics became part of it. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. I, you guys, I, I know we're running up on time. We need to seriously go down a Rossman rabbit hole collectively because there are specific videos that he's covered on this. Uh, a couple of the very specific things we've hit here in Ooh. that video, I think it's called Lewis Rossman right to repair testimony in Washington SB 5799. Yep. He, he gives an example of AutoZone as a company, a company that specifically sells parts for vehicles meant to be used either for an individual to repair their vehicle or to, you know, take to a repair shop to then have that specific part so they can repair it. And there's an ad that was on back in the day with AutoZone where there's a mom and daughter pair that jack up the car and install a brand new brake system on their vehicle. And what he's comparing is the danger that that repair represents both for the the mother and daughter who are going to eventually drive that very heavy vehicle with a brand new brake system that they just installed uh, to a cell phone being repaired or a laptop being repaired. And what are, what's the difference in danger represented to the people around them as well as them individually? That's Ooh. absolutely apt. I think that's really, really smart. Uh, and there's an article. I, I promised some Zen uh, in the story and, and to, to get I know we're running up on time, but to get to it, uh, that part, um, there's a really cool editorial piece called what the right to repair movement gets wrong. Repair should be an option, not a mandate uh, by G. Pascal Zachary. And this is on the IEEE Spectrum website. And the IEEE is the um, Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineering. Years, um, which is like a it's like a trade organization, I believe, for like you know electrical engineers, and uh, G. Pascal uh, makes a really neat comparison, and it's very similar to what you're talking about. Ki- well, kind of. Um, you guys remember the book Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance? Mm-hmm. Good read. I, I never read it, um, but I've, I've been aware of it, and it's something I definitely, after reading this, I want to read. I just want to quote a couple passages from this op-ed rather than just try to you know sum this guy's words up, because he really says it beautifully. Uh, in 1974, a repair enthusiast named Robert Persig published a book that proved highly influential and sold millions of copies. Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance came to define a spiritual and mental outlook by contrasting the approaches of two bike owners. One rides an expensive new bike and relies on professionals to repair. The other rides an older bike and he repairs on his own, and by doing so, hones his problem-solving abilities and unexpectedly connects to a deeper wisdom that enhances his sense of dignity and endows his life with greater meaning. Um, That's awesome in and of itself. And then he goes on. The shift in attitudes a half century ago was dramatic, reflecting the profound expansion of the human-built world. Once humans sought to connect with nature, now they wish to do the same or more with their machines. In many ways, the repair movement is a revival of this venerable counterculture tradition. But then he goes on to talk about how this is sort of a thing of the past in many ways. Like, I mean, you know, with all of the new cars, like the Teslas of the world, and even just you know, t- cars that are 10 years old or more, they have such uh, advanced electronic systems that it would be very, very difficult for you or I to diagnose outside of being like an electrical engineer and being able to like write code or, or interpret code and, and use one of those uh, computers that you attach to that port, you know, that you can read the codes. But even to like do any kind of, you know, if there's a glitch in the electronic system, short of having a system where you can actually 
diagnose that and then fix it, that is very much outside of the realm of most DIYers, um, you know, as would be something that would be in a very high-end car like a Tesla. Um, so he argues that in some ways, um, I'm just going to do the way he says it. Uh, he, here's a live example. Among my chief reasons for my loyalty to the iPhone is that Apple supplies updated software that protects me against viruses and security hacks. Apple even installs this software on my phone sometimes without my conscious assent or awareness. If I had to assent explicitly to each iPhone software update, I would invariably fail to have the latest protection and then suffer the negative consequences. So I don't want to be responsible for repairing or maintaining a phone that is inherently collective in nature. I am freer and happier when Apple does it. So it is kind of a philosophical argument here. So I like the idea of like not being a mandate, but it being a choice. And then you also taking on the responsibility of what that means. And if that means voiding the warranty, Maybe so be it. Ben, I'm interested in hearing your defense of, of, of that, because I think, you know, when you're dealing with obviously something like a phone, maybe the stakes are lower. But if it's a piece of farm equipment and Ooh. you need it fixed quickly and you do a very simple repair and by doing the simple repair, you're avoiding the warranty. That to me is wrong. Uh, is that is that your thinking? Uh, so I'm not going to defend that specific aspect because we've opened the door for philosophy which case, let's go macroscopic here. The culture many countries has fundamentally shifted from an ownership economy to a service or rental economy. Are you comfortable living in a world where you don't really own the things you pay for? Do you want to live in a world where everything you quote unquote buy is really just a service that you have subscribed to? I'm not trying to poison the well or ask loaded questions. These are very important questions and they matter They matter to you now. They will matter more in upcoming years unless a global catastrophe lays waste to civilization, but they're going to matter even more than that to the people who come after us. And I, I, I get that it can be old school and I, I readily admit, you know, I said it before, like I readily admit there are things just like Freon, where you would you would want someone with expertise to to handle those kinds of rights to repair. You know, like when if you want to go even bigger, when some governments buy military hardware or very, very dangerous weapons of war, they have contracted out a specific company to take care of that. You know what I mean? The general sure. who is signing off on world-ending nukes is not is not under the impression that they can just show up at the silo and be like, well, I'm going to fix these fins. You know what I mean? I got I got a welding machine and I got a lot of heart. Um, so I I guess it's weird because I don't know what the answer is, and I don't think there's a simple broad answer. Like to you guys' points, it has to go case by case or industry by industry. It's just that if People are not aware of this long, long tail trend, then you could easily wake up in a world where you don't own the things you buy, even if you can repair them. And I think you make a great point, I, or I think the author of that article uh, makes a great point as well. Like, do people have the time to fix these things yeah. themselves? Do they have the time to learn uh, the ins and outs? of the very specific blueprint of a compact miniaturized device? Do they have the time to learn code and use it appropriately? I think a lot of people don't, to your point. But then also, 
you know, I think the answer that um, some more libertarian-minded people would propose is also too broad a brush. You know, like the idea, mm-hmm. I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who have thought this while we were talking about this, the idea that um, if you don't like not having a right to repair, you should just not buy that thing. That doesn't really hold water. The free market, quote unquote, can't really answer this question because like you said, Noel, this applies differently to different things. Farm machinery is not an iPhone. Yeah, it shouldn't be. Yeah, it's a weird philosophical area to enter into because you th- how many of us listening right now own the room in which we are sitting, right? How many of us are in a lease agreement with that, with our living situation? How many of us are in a lease agreement with our vehicles that we don't actually own it? And it's weird that we are okay with that relationship with some of the most vital things in our lives but we're not okay with it in other places. I, I just, you're talking about the long tail thing, Ben. I think, I think this is a really cool place to share ideas and, and philosophies. Uh, I, yeah, we need to do a big, big episode on this and the serial killers. Agreed. Um, we have something to keep an eye on, like as to whether this uh, picks up steam in the States. But, but again, my, my question to, to leave listeners with maybe, or, or let us know what you think. And, and, and you, you guys as well, uh, Matt and Ben is, how do we not have the right to like, what, what is the consequence? I keep asking that. It is literally just like if you poke around in there and the manufacturer can tell because you've broken some seal, then they no longer will repair it for you. Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I think it goes a little deeper than that, though, because what if you what if you have a perfectly functioning machine or thing and you haven't paid a service fee, which is just a sum of money paid to prevent your thing from being bricked like that's you're paying protection money at that point because it can be purposely shut off no matter whether or not it actually works so that's a higher end stuff that would have like a built-in service plan that you would have to pay for monthly or whatever right and then of course caveat emptor you know let the buyer beware but i i um yeah i'm very interested to hear what you think thank you Dallas Grills so much for for bringing this up because it's something I think it's fair to say that we all Matt Noel Doc and I and hopefully you we all we all believe this should be more front and center in the world I I just hate the idea of someone someone continually being at the mercy of or like hooked on a service plan you know what mm-hmm. I mean like it's it's not it's not a good look. Sometimes maybe it's a necessary evil, and then sometimes it is maybe to the advantage of everyone involved, but not always. Very much not always. That's that's where <laughs> I, I'm on board with it. What is health insurance besides a, a service plan for a human? Totally. Yeah. And we're <laughs> required by law to – well, no, we're not. We're required by law to have our cars insured, but uh, – well, mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know. There's certain requirements around carrying health insurance in the for the whole, like, exchange and – the uh, you know Obamacare and all of that. Um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting conversation because yeah. it, it ultimately like you are burdening others by not carrying. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it can it changes the calculation. Um, but but also like it's a revenue stream for some of these companies, and one could argue that in certain situations it's maybe a little bit of a crooked revenue stream a bit of a grift mm. a bit uh, of a grift yeah can i give a quick shout out to rossman really fast yeah uh, uh, lewis uh 
a long time ago, you told me and however many other people watched the video when it came out, uh, while you sat on a chair in your, I guess it was in your repair area at the time, you had some green juice and you told me and everybody else to follow our hearts when it comes to major decisions in our lives. And I just want to say, hey, I listened. Even though yeah. you weren't you weren't like the advice guy I was going to, but uh, you were very sincere about it. So thanks, dude. And thanks for uh, thanks for helping me a little bit with uh, what is called a vintage MacBook Pro, as I, <laughs> as I learned recently. Thanks also, of course, the Dallas Girl. Thanks to Fox and thanks to Panda for writing in. We hope that you enjoyed these stories and these questions from your fellow listeners as much as we do every single week. And more importantly, we hope you participate. Write to us. Call us. Let us know what's on your mind. We try to be easy to find online. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on YouTube at Conspiracy Stuff. You can find us at Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram. Yes, we also have a phone number, everybody. Oh, my gosh. You can dial 1-833-STDWYTK. You will hear Ben. You will hear a familiar song, perhaps. Then you've got three minutes. Tell us whatever you want. Give yourself a cool nickname. We prefer that, actually, over your real name. Uh, it's just safer for everybody that way. Uh, <laughs> a code name, uh, a doc something, anything. Just not holiday, not doc holiday, and not yeah. mission control, please. And uh, astronaut with a secret. No comment. Okay, uh, don't do those. Say whatever you want. You do have three minutes. And if you need to go over that, you need more time, please instead send us a good old fashioned email. You can put anything you want in there. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.